Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, that first song that we did, if you made it, if you came in late, then, then maybe you missed it. But um, do you remember when that song came out? It was like 1982. Anybody? Okay. A couple people um, remember that. I remember, anybody remember the video? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody else have nightmares because Vincent Price's voice just kept you awake at night? Anybody? Am I the only one? Like if you were, if, if you were born after 1970, you might not. Well, I was born after 1970. What am I talking about? Um, if, if you were not, if you were older in 1982, let's say you were, um, well, no, that's what I'm saying. If you were born after 1970, then, um, then you know what I'm talking about. Like it strikes fear in your heart when you hear his voice echoing through that video. I have a friend, his name's Rob. He had nightmares because of Vincent Price's voice in that video. It was a thriller of a night for him because it would literally keep him awake at night. I remember, I remember as, a, as, a, as a boy trying to watch little bits and pieces of it, but then I get too scared. And you look at it now and it just kind of looks cheesy, but uh, it is a great um, you know, part of Americana, part of American pop history. You know what's not part of American pop history? The singing pains. See, you mentioned the, the Thriller video, and be like, woohoo, the Singing Pains, ain't nobody know about the Singing Pains. That's like some old classic Southern gospel music. Now, the only song growing up as a boy that could top the, the nightmarish quality that I would get when I would watch the Thriller video was a song by the Singing Pains called The Conversation. Singing Pains is a Southern gospel group, and they would do this song where they would interplay um, a conversation between Satan and death uh, around the three days of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And it would, you know, Satan would be talking to death. Death, do you still have a hold on him? Dude, that song would terrify me. Now, granted, the end of it's good because, because it's like, well, there's this middle part where, where Satan gives this like demonic laugh. Ha ha, we have defeated the Son of God. And the music kind of goes real quiet and mellow. And then death comes. Anybody remember Carmen? You remember the song Carmen did with like revival in the land? Okay, it's kind of that kind of, you know, uh, idea and that kind of feeling when, when the demon comes and like, oh no, they're praying, you know. But, uh, but that's what happens with death. Anyway, I'm really rambling because I'm not here to talk to you about pop music or southern gospel music. I'm actually to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, which may or may not be in either one of those two things. Um, nobody got that. Wow. It was a rough crowd. Open your Bibles to John chapter 14. We're going to look at uh, kind of the launching pad verse that we've been using uh, during this series to, to discuss the the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Actually, if you have a Bible, go to John 14, John 16, and then jump to Acts chapter 16 because we're going to really be bouncing around a lot today. But I kind of want to lay a foundation before we get into the story. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, the Scriptures will be on the screen. We have most of them printed on the back of the program, but because the stories are so long, uh, we only printed the key verses. Of course, if you have a phone with you, you can follow along on version, and you got the whole thing right there. But if none of that works, again, just watch the screen. John chapter 14, verse 16. This is kind of central to the entire series. Here's what Jesus is speaking to his followers before he leaves. He's, he's, he's teaching them about this person named the Holy Spirit. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the word another meaning just like me, I will send another who's just like me. As I'm your advocate, he's going to be just like me as your advocate, as your, as your counselor, as, as the person who's coming alongside you to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And he says this, he says, but you know him. You know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. So, so Jesus tells us here that even when difficulties come, even when we're in the middle of a thriller night, pun intended, um, if you will, God has promised 
not just that he'll be there most of the time or, or he'll be there occasionally or some of the time, but that God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, will be with us all of the time because he will be in us. And so when we look for security, when we look for stability in life, when we're going through a particularly difficult time, we need not look any further than our Savior and any further than the very presence that he promised would be with us and would be in us. Well, Jesus keeps teaching uh, his disciples, and he keeps explaining to them the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. He keeps teaching for three chapters in the book of John, John 14, 15, and 16. And right before he ends in chapter 17 to go into a prayer, he's going to pray for them, he's going to pray for us, he's going to do this whole prayer. Before he does that, he says this, John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things. What things is he talking about? He's talking about the last three chapters worth that he's been telling them. Things like uh, verse 26 and 27 of John 14. Uh, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything that I've told you. And he says, in those verses, he says, Peace I'm leaving with you. My peace I give you. Look what he says here as he's wrapping up this teaching. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Look what he says. He says, in this world, oh, you'll have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He says, look, in the, when you're in the world, you're going to have trouble. You can bank on it. Back in chapter 14, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Because why? I am with you and I will be in you. He says, you're going to have trouble, but in me, in my spirit that I'm going to give to you, you can experience peace because I win. I always win. And so here's a question I want us to begin wrestling with this morning. What's more real to you? What reality are you living in this morning? What, what's more real to you? The spirit in you or the trouble in the world? While, while, when, when, when I am in him, when that is my reality, when my reality is in him, in his spirit, then the trouble in the world won't make me flip out. I won't lose my mind. I'll experience peace. When, I, when in him is the, is the ground that I stand on, when in him is the, is the very center of my being, then when, when there's trouble in the world, I won't lose my cool. I won't lose my mind. I won't flip out. And Jesus says this is the way that followers of Jesus live. This is the way that my followers live. This is the way you live practically. When you experience a, a, a night of trouble practically, this is how you have peace. You're more aware of who is in you than what you are in. This is how we have peace socially. When you look at the world and you think, man, the world is just socially, it's going crazy and it's getting farther and farther away from God and your mind starts to flip out and you start to lose cool, your cool, how, how do you have peace? Well, you have peace because you are in Him. Some of us need to experience this politically. Okay, we lose our minds because people make different decisions than we would and we think that the whole world's going to end because so-and-so is in office when Jesus says, look, in the world you're going to have trouble. But hey, if you're in me, you're not going to lose your mind. And people on Facebook always losing their mind. That's what I want to... I, I don't want to come across as that preacher who stalks people on Facebook, but what I want to do sometimes is say, hey, you're losing your mind. Have you forgotten that we are in him? <laughs> And so in the world, of course, we're going to have trouble. There are going to be things that we don't like. There are going to be things that we disagree with, but we're in him. We don't have to flip out. This is, this is how you live financially. Listen, one of the greatest fears and stressors in, in Americans, American life today is financial fear, financial stress. I read a study on USA Today doing the, the cause of stress in Americans' lives. 69% of people surveyed experience stress related to money. Financial Stress. Look at here's the top three stressors in America. Are you ready for this? Money. Sixty-nine percent of people experience financial money stress. Work. Sixty-five percent. The economy. Sixty-one percent. Top three. Financial fear. 
Talk, and if you if you if you narrow the segment because the 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 article was actually on millennials, those people who are my age and and younger people, uh, I think born after or born after 1980 or something like that. So people who are young adults, right, 33, 34 years and and under. Here's their top three: work, 76 percent, 76 percent of people under the age of 34 have work stress. Number two, money, 73 percent. Here's another way to think about this. Three out of four people that you meet that's under the age of 34 are stressed out about their finances. And here Jesus is saying, because the question is, is God going to supply my need? But according to John 16, the antidote to those fears, the antidote to that stress is remembering his presence. He is with me. He is in me. And so remembering who I am in and who is in me allows me to be in the world without stress. Because before I am in the world, I am in him. You see what I'm saying? Before I am in the world, we are in him and he is in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to do this morning. Here's why I had you open up and kind of put your finger at Acts chapter 16. Because I want to ask this question. If this is true... If what Jesus said is actually true, do we see it lived out anywhere? Is there a story, maybe a, a story that we can look at that says, yeah, this person was in trouble, but because they were in him, in the spirit, they experienced peace. Well, in Acts chapter 16, we have a story like that. It's Paul in the city of Philippi. And it's a, it's a really interesting story. Matter of fact, Paul's whole life was interesting, really. He lived kind of a, an adventurous missionary life that was full of, of risk and, and, and trouble, really. He was no stranger to trouble. He, had, he, he experienced all kinds of suffering. He planted churches all over the ancient world. And oftentimes, when he would visit a city, it ended up that he would go through some kind of difficulty. He records for us that he was beaten Numerous times. He was shipwrecked. He was in prison. This dude has four letters in the New Testament that are called the prison epistles. Now, that's not a really poetic way of describing them. No, no. They're called that because he wrote them from a jail cell. He wrote them from prison. It's not just, you know, a, a pretty, pretty title. He wrote them because he's sitting in a Roman prison. And yet, all through his life, the sustaining force, what held him together, what kept his mind from flipping out, is the reality that he lived in, knowing that God, via the Holy Spirit, was always with him and in him. Look at this story, ridiculous story, Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. Let's start there. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So she's a fortune teller. And, and, and she's able to do that because there's this spirit inside of her, not a good spirit, a bad spirit. We're going to see that here in just a second. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So she's a, you know, a cash cow, if you will. They're, they're, they're cashing in on her demon possession. Interesting story. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, how would you like that entourage? You're a preacher. You go into these towns. People don't, sometimes they don't really want to listen to you. Sometimes they throw rocks at you. Sometimes they kick you out of their town. And the only person who acknowledges that you're sent by God and your message of salvation is true is this crazy demon-possessed lady. How would you like to have that as your fan club? She's like the president of Paul and Silas fan club. And she's demon-possessed. I don't know that that's very comforting. How would, you, how would you like to endure coming to a church where right here would sit a lady and she would just scream out the whole time, listen to what he's saying, he's a man of God, and he's going to tell you how to get saved. Probably wouldn't like that. Wouldn't be really good for attendance. Uh, verse 18, she kept this up for many days. And look what Paul does. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. Paul doesn't do this out of the graciousness of his heart. 
Paul doesn't do this because the Lord tells him and speaks to him and says, bring freedom to this child. No, no, no. Paul's ticked off. Paul's annoyed. She's gotten on his last nerve. You ever felt that way before with somebody? You ever have that friend that just, you know, they, they're like a vampire. They just suck the life out of you. And finally, you just get annoyed and ticked off and say something that you ought not to say. Anyway, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. I got to get some relief. <laughs> he didn't say that last part. I added that. At the moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, Paul affected their bottom line, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Again, just, just put yourself in his shoes. You have just freed this woman from being possessed by a demon. And the reward is that you get arrested. And you get drugged in front of the authorities and magistrates of the town to be put on trial. And look what happens. Listen to Paul's reward. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us to Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And look at this. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, that's what it means to be beaten with rods, flogged. Now, we don't flog people in America today, but there are some places in the world where people still get punished like this. Basically, a flogging would be you take a stick or a bundle of sticks and you just unleash holy terror on somebody's backside. A flogging would leave you completely mutilated from, your, from, from, from the middle of your back all the way down, possibly below your knees. Completely, These scars aren't going away. This is the beating that Jesus took before he goes to the cross. Forty stripes minus one. Paul gets stripped. Paul and Silas, they get stripped and beaten with rods after they were severely flogged. As if that's not enough, they are thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And look where he puts them. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, we read these stories, and we, we have a tendency to round off the edge of the story, to make it more, um, more readable, to make it less offensive, to make it more poetic, or we think about them and we think of them in historical or, or beautiful ways, almost like they are not even real. We think of these stories. Here's the deal. He was, he, Paul and Silas were completely stripped. Stripped means stripped. These dudes had no clothes on. None. In front of all of those people, they are completely naked and humiliated as they are completely exposed and they get beaten with sticks until, until the blood and the flesh is literally hanging off of their back. And then again, if that's not enough, they're taken to the inner prison, the inner cell. Scholars tell us that probably they were in sewage, quite possibly up to their waist with their feet shackled to the floor and their hands chained. Now, I'm not sure if that qualifies for a killer thriller night, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's a nightmare. I'm pretty sure that none of us in this room have ever experienced that level of torture. And we think, we, we, we think you know... Um, these guys must have must not have been human. But listen, these are two normal guys. These are two normal guys who, quite frankly, like to wear clothes and prefer not to sleep chained up in sewer water. They are not really special. And if you look at the book of Acts as a whole, when prisons oftentimes will symbolize a, a, a greater cosmic battle that's taking place between God and and evil. So here's the picture. Evil has God's servants in chains 
up to their waist in sewage. Their feet are shackled to the floor. Listen, there is no escape from the inner cell when your feet are fastened to the floor. There's no escape. There's no hope of escape. They are not David Copperfield. They're not going to get out. They are there, and they are stuck. And it's all because this woman is now free from a demonic force in her life. What did they do wrong? And now they find themselves stuck in a prison that they have no hope of getting out of. And this morning, chances are, again, this does not describe your situation. <laughs> but what I, have, what I have learned is that there are all sorts of different prisons that we find ourselves in. Some of you today, you're, you're in a prison in your mind and the depression and fear and worry and stress feels like shackles holding you in the floor. And you don't see a way out. You don't see a way of escape. Some of you are in a prison of lack. <laughs> you, are, you are convinced that, that you lack the financial resources to do what you feel like God is leading you to do, or you lack the financial resources to pay your bills, or you lack the talent and creativity to do what it is God has called you to do, or you lack the intelligence to get the promotion at your job. You feel like you lack something, and that lack has you in a prison. Some of you this morning are in a prison of addiction. And no matter how hard you try, and no matter how much you convince yourself that I'm going to do better, this time I'm going to overcome it, this time I'm actually going to be disciplined about it, you find that you're actually still chained in your prison. There are all sorts of prisons. Some of you are in a prison of dysfunctional relationship and, and, and your, your, your marriage is, is holding on by, by threads and, and your relationship with your kids is, is non-existent and you have a friend that you really want to reach out to but they get on your last nerves and it's just dysfunction, dysfunction, dysfunction and you have a brother or a sister that you haven't spoken to in years because it's dysfunctional and you feel like you're trapped in a prison of dysfunction. What do you do? And now the shackles aren't getting any looser. The waste and refuge of your life is piling in around you. Is there any hope for you? What do you do now? How do you experience peace in the prison? Look at what happens in the very next verse. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, the, the, the discomfort, the double discomfort... Of, of the rods and the stocks, the triple discomfort of the rods, the stocks, and the sewage, they were not intended to fill Paul and Silas with joy. They were not intended to make them happy. Beatings and chains are not the kinds of things that overwhelm our hearts with gladness. No one gets excited when a rod gets slapped across their back. Their hearts should not be filled with joy and singing. Their hearts ought to be filled with terror and fear and worry and stress. The sounds coming from the inner cell ought not be sounds of singing and praying, but sounds of groaning and cursing. Why? That is the sound that comes from the inner prison. Old, uh, is an early church father. His name was Tertullian. He's an early Christian leader. He says this about, about this story. He says, The legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. What kind of men were these? What kind of people were Paul and Silas? Were they some sort of amazing superhumans? To be able to endure such 
such a situation and still be able to find joy and still be able to find peace and still be able to sing? No, aren't. Paul is not just some amazing superhuman dude. Silas is not some great worship leader packing out auditoriums everywhere. But there is something, or better, there is someone who's very real to Paul and Silas. You see, the only way to live like this is to be more aware of who is in you than what you're chained up in. The only way to live like this is to be more aware of who is in you than what you are in. There's, there's, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something bigger. There's got to be something greater. There's got to be something more real to you than the junk that you find yourself in. There's got to be something more real. Being in Christ, being in the Spirit was so real to Paul and Silas that when they were in sewage, they could sing. And they could go right on celebrating because they are aware. Their reality is that they are in Him and He is in them. This is the kind of reality and faith and trust that we all have access to as believers. This is the kind of life. Put us in stuff up to our waist. Chain us down to the floor. Squeeze us and what will come out is a song of praise and celebration. That's the kind of life that we can live. Because we know He's with me. He's always with me because He is in me. You see, the disciples get themselves in all sorts of crazy, various situations throughout the book of Acts. They get in all sorts of different, unique situations. And in every single difficulty, they, they dive into worship and prayer, not because they were in a nice auditorium, and it wasn't because they had lyrics on the screen, and it wasn't because they had good instruments and people leading them. It was because they were prepared to sing the Lord's songs wherever they found themselves. Because they were constantly aware that His presence, His very Spirit is in me. I don't have to go hunting for the ghost. The ghost is in me. But the modern church, man, we get hamstrung if, if the projector goes out. <laughs> we get hamstrung if the words are wrong on the screen. We can't focus if, if the power goes out in the building and we've got to sing with just an acoustic guitar strum and we lose it. Not aware there's something skewed in our realities. Well, what happens is God's presence is literally manifested right there in the prison through an earthquake. Here, here, here's how the story ends, or at least this part of the story. Suddenly, verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. This dude, this jailer, was about to kill himself. He was probably a former Roman military official who retired, and now he serves as a jailer. This is not, this is not a softie, in other words. This is a hardened, battle-tested soldier of the Roman Empire, and he knew what his fate was because the jailers had escaped, so he was going to do the only honorable thing that he could imagine. He was going to kill himself. But look what happens. Paul shouts, don't harm yourself. We're here, all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, look what he says. This guy was about to kill himself. And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want you to do me a favor. You go home today, I want you to pull out a piece of paper. You write this down. You put it in an envelope. Seal the envelope. Write the date on, over the seal of the envelope and open it up when you see this happen. Because God's going to remind you of this story. Because there are some of you who are in prisons right now in your life, a variety of different kinds of prisons. 
How you respond to that prison that you find yourselves in, this situation that you think there is no hope of escape from, how you respond is going to result in the salvation of people who are watching you right now. That's why I want you to write it down, put it in an envelope, and seal the thing, and pull it out months or even years from now. You're going to be amazed. Say, God, you are incredible. I can't believe it. Listen, the, the, the jailer is not on some most likely to get saved list. He's not on the top ten, you know? But sure enough, that's exactly what happens. Well, this whole incident is, is actually the beginning of the church in Philippi. How would you like that as a church planting strategy? This is the beginning of the church. <laughs> he, a lady named Lydia gets saved a few weeks or a few days before that. You got a demon-possessed girl gets delivered and a jailer gets saved. How would you like that as your church plant? That's awesome. Well, anyway, 10 to 12 years later, Paul receives a financial gift from this church, from the church in Philippi. And he's so overwhelmed by the gift that he receives that he writes a letter. And we call this letter Philippians, the letter to the Philippians. When Paul writes this letter, Philippians, guess where he is? He's in prison. He's in another jail. He's been removed from a very horrible situation, but not a lot has improved. Not a lot has changed for Paul. He's back in jail. Granted, he's probably not naked, and he's not living in sewage, but he's prisoned. He's in prison. He's chained up. And look what he says. Look what he says in his letter, verse 4 of chapter 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. If he's with me, always. If he's in me, always. I can rejoice always. As long as he's with me, as long as his spirit is inside of me, I have hope. So rejoice in the Lord always. And he's like caught up. He says, man, I'm going to say it again. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Paul, it's been 12 years and you're still in jail. It's been 12 years. You got out and now you're back in. Yeah, I know. I'm still going to rejoice. Do you see your surroundings, Paul? Yep. Don't you know that the prison walls that hold you in are real? Oh, yeah, I know. But there's something even more real than the walls that I find myself in right now. Do you, do you think Paul is pumped to be in jail? No. And you don't have to be excited about the prison you're in. But no matter what, what walls are holding you in, you can rejoice because of His presence. Listen to what, how, how, he, how he goes on. Verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Every situation. In prison, in sewage, in stocks, in depression, when you get laid off, when you're sick and there's no hope for recovery, in every situation, when you're grieving, when you're, when you're bouncing checks because there's not enough money in the bank to pay the, 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 the rent or the mortgage, in every situation, when your kids are screaming at you, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And you know what would be really comforting right there? If it, 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 what, what, what we would expect Paul to say is, present your request to God, and you know what? He'll supply whatever you need. He'll take care of you. Present your request to God in every situation. Bring your request to God, and He'll take care of you. Paul doesn't say that. This is a man, keep in mind, this is a man that's in prison while he's writing it. Present your request to God, verse 7, and the peace of God. 
Paul, I don't need peace. I need a way out. Yeah, I know. Paul, I don't need peace. I need money in my bank account. Paul, I don't need peace. I need healing. Paul, I don't need peace. I need this relationship to be brought back together. Listen, I know, but you really need peace. I know. Listen, I've been in all kinds of situations. I've been in sewage up to my waist. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. They've thrown rocks at me. I've been shipwrecked. I've been snake bitten. What you need is peace. The peace of God. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14? My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. As he's talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you feel this morning like you are up to your waist in unspeakable challenges? Do you feel this morning that the circumstances that have surrounded you are like sewage, completely and totally immersing you? Do you feel this morning like you're in a prison and the walls are not, are not moving and the ground is not shaking, and the earth is not quaking. <laughs> Do you feel this morning that you're in a situation where there seems to be no hope, and there seems to be no way out? Do you find yourself without peace, without joy, without the ability to celebrate. You're not alone. And I don't mean to say that like you're not alone, we're with you. Listen, you're not alone because God wants to give you peace in the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you peace. The fact that He is with you and in you is greater than the reality that you're in. What's more real to you this morning? The Holy Spirit in you or the trouble in the world? He wants to give you peace this morning. He wants to give you His very presence. Whatever kind of prison you're in, whatever kind of sewage that you're wading through, you can have real, genuine peace because He lives in you and He is with you right now. So here's what we're going to do. The worship band's going to take us into another time of singing and another time of praying and I'm going to, here in just a second, I'm going to invite you to stand. And what I want you to do is I want you to, if you recognize the song or you see the words on the screen, then sing with all that you have in you. But if you don't know the song, you don't know the words, then you sing, just sing. <laughs> or you pray. If you need peace, His presence is here. If you need Hope, His presence is here. If you're in sewage, <laughs> you can celebrate because He's in you and He's with you. Not some of the time, not most of the time, all of the time. So as they lead us into a couple more songs, would you just join me and would you, every, all over the auditorium, could we just stand? Can we just stand and, and sing together? And during this song, if you would like someone to join you in prayer, our prayer team's going to be near the back of the room, and they want to join with you. You say, I find myself in a prison, and I need somebody to pray with me. That's what they're here for. To join you, to pray for healing, to pray for deliverance, to pray for God to move in your life. 
God wants to give you peace this morning. As Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. If you need peace this morning, would you just stretch your hands up to him while we sing together? Just ask him for his peace.
You know, while we're um, while we're praying, let's all just kind of stay in that atmosphere. Um, you're you're trying your best to pray, to sing, but you also you also hear the enemy's voice speaking to you, and right, and you don't recognize it as that. I don't recognize it that oftentimes. I usually just think it's my own. Uh, my, my own voice talking to me, my, you know, that inner voice, you, know, you talk to yourself. And what he's saying right now is, yeah, that's good for everybody else, hmm. but you'll never be free. He's telling you right now that, 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 that other people, that's for them, that, but you'll never get out. The prison that you're in, you're, you're stuck, bro. You're never going to be free from that addiction. You're never going to be free from that worry, from that stress. You're always going to be in lack. You're always going to be in need. You're never going to have enough. I've got you right where I want you. I've got you chained down and you're never getting out. The things that you hope and dream about, you'll never see. The things that you imagine at night right before you fall asleep of what could be and what might be and what if and what may, what may happen will never be because I've got you chained down in this prison. And dude, you're never getting out. I know that's what he's talking to some of you right here in this room right now. And, and I just want to proclaim over you that he's telling you that because you're right there. You're right, you don't even see what God is doing in the background. You don't even see how he's working in, in, in the darkness of your night. Because it's dark, you can't see him. Because it's about midnight, you don't know that he's moving. But if you'll just hold on, if you'll just keep praying, if you'll just keep singing, if you'll just continue to be aware of his presence in your life, he's about to shake the earth on your behalf and you're going to come out of that prison and you're not coming alone. But people are going to be freed because of your perseverance. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't give up. Don't give up in the prison. He's already got the earthquake lined up. Don't, don't, don't give in. It's, it, it's really dark and you can't see what he's doing. But the, the, the enemy's trying to discourage you right now. Because if he can get you to give up, and accept, if he can get you to accept the sewage as normative for your life, You'll never be free. Man, I wish I could stand up on this theater chair. If he can get you to believe that the sewage is your normal existence. And the way it has been is the way it always will be. If he can get you to believe that your past is the predictor of your future. Then he'll keep you in that prison. The Lord wants to give you peace. Why peace? Why peace? Why peace? Because it goes beyond our understanding. It goes beyond the voice in our head that's telling us nothing will ever change. It's supernatural in source. It can do what your mind cannot accomplish. Peace will calm those thoughts. Peace will shut that voice up. Wants to give it to you right now. Would you do me a favor while we sing this song all over the auditorium? Would you just, if, if you're able, would you just stretch your hands up? This song is just a prayer. This song is a prayer. Lord, fill me up. Fill me up with your peace. Fill me up with your presence. Fill me up with your spirit. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, God. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up with your presence. Fill us up with your spirit. You provide the fire. Lord, fill us up, God, with your with your holy fire. Fill us up, God, with a passion in our heart, God. To not give up, to not give in, to persevere through the night. You provide the spirit. Yeah.
want to be more aware of the reality of being you than the trouble in the world. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, Lord.
kind of prison. He is there with you. God abandoned you and you're not alone. He's in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you are doing in our auditorium this morning. God, my prayer that is, is that as we leave this place today and we go into the world where there is trouble, Lord, we would go with the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit being in us and with us. Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your love. Fill us so full, God, that we literally glow in the world. Fill us, even in our prison, God, Paul and Silas, the other, the other prisoners were listening to them, God. And when you set Paul and Silas free, you set them free too. When you set us free, we're not coming out alone. We're bringing a lot of people with us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is in us always. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.